Hey y'all and welcome to the Alabama Wild Podcast here at Rubber Ducky RV Studios. Today we're brought to you by East Alabama Ducks Unlimited hosted in Auburn, Alabama. If you would like to know more about East Alabama Ducks Unlimited or anything about us, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or shoot us an email at ducks.auburn at gmail.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Alabama Wild Podcast. This coming from Rubber Ducky RV Studios. We are now on episode two. I'm Blake, and we have Andy and Rodney. Hey. And hey. Um, we're going to talk about some hunting camp stories. Okay, everybody. Since our first podcast, we had some listener-submitted questions and uh, that we're going to address now. We're going to start out talking about hunting camp stuff. Uh, one of the first ones, which is probably one of the funniest ones, is what do your hunting camp buddies do to bug you? As much as I have hunted with different groups, um, I, I don't know that there's that many items that bug me. I probably have more items that bug them in the mm. camp. Um, some might be, you know, trying to catch a flock of birds coming across where there's a group of three in the blind, and for some reason they thought it was a good idea to put me in the middle. And when those birds are still a little far left or a little far right, I tend to still follow and track them across and every now and then I want to pull the trigger. Now, usually the person next to me is not happy about that situation. Across. But we all are out there to have a good time. So, you know, that's probably one item. Um, you know, the other part might be if you have multiple people coming out of the blind or going out of the tree stand after a long day of hunting and Everybody's going to want some breakfast or something, so few's going to chip in and cook, few's going to chip in and clean, but my goodness, if you're down there regular and you don't chip in on anything, you know, it is a camp, it is an event, we don't expect everyone to do house cleaning, but it's a good idea for everyone to at least chip in a little bit on the, uh, mm. on the protocols within the camp, so... But not much more to offer than that, Blake. What about you? you can you think of anything? I can think of two things that bug me that my buddies do. And one of them's when typically when you when you're at a hunting camp, you're either in like a little travel trailer top deal or you're in like a bunk room or something. And there's always that one guy that's got some really foul gas that stinks <laughs> out the whole room and it sucks. You're trying to go to sleep, and it's awful. Um, and he's not taking it outside. No. He's leaving it in there with He thinks you. it's hilarious. So that that bugs me. It's funny, though, but it, it does bug me. Uh, and then another thing that bugs me, and this is a deer hunting thing. This is why I don't like deer hunting. One of the reasons. One of the many. But uh, I cannot stand. I'm, I'm not one that likes to sit out in the middle of the woods in the dark by myself. It's just not my thing. And I always end up getting paired up hunting. The guy that drops me off at my stand is the guy that likes to stay in the woods an hour past dark and leaves me sitting on the side of the road for an hour by myself till he comes back and picks me up. While the coyotes are out there hiding yeah. off in the close distance. Yeah, now I don't like that. That bugs a mess out of me. Well, I've got something. It's a little opposite of that, but... Um 
if I get up early and I get to my stand and, you know, my buddy decided to drink 47 Budweiser's last night and he comes riding by on a four-wheeler at 10 after 9 while I'm trying to hunt and he's headed to his hunting spot and that sometimes will get under my skin a little bit. Right past your stand. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, maybe just directly under the stand. Sometimes. And already has seen you're pinned in on the board. Oh, you've got a board, you're pinned in and he knows he's going right past you to get there. Uh, those are some annoying events that can occur in the hunting world. Well, a lot of dust trail. So, uh, but that being said, I'm sure there's a ton more that we can come up with and discuss. Uh, but I'm also thinking our listeners may want to even email in some of their own pet peeves about uh, things that annoy them with their hunting partners. So. Absolutely, please do so. And uh, if anyone wants to do that, send it to Alabama Wild Podcast at gmail.com. We'll be glad to put it on the air. So tell us mm. your gripes. Let us hear from you. And talking about the guy who drank the 54 Budweiser's, does what somebody drinks say something about their personality? Guys, have y'all never thought about that? <laughs> well, I'm sure for me, uh, if I'm drinking beer, that says one thing. But if I'm drinking Maker's Mark, I'm sure that says totally another. For those that know me well, know that's the case. I mean, you got your young, the young guys that'll go out there and slam natural lights for like, 14 hours all night then you your older guys typically are whiskey sippers you know and they uh, tend to go to bed early too yeah they'll go to bed early <laughs> some uh some. me myself i find myself in the middle of that i like drinking good beer but i like drinking a lot of it what about those so. that drink um specifically specialized ipas or specialized uh, hop type beers that they want to order you know online and that's that's their deal sometimes I always feel that those are the ones that are trying to set a a standard amongst themselves to set them set themselves apart from your average beer drinkers now mm. I don't know if it's all about flavor or if it's about prestige Sometimes I think it's more prestige than the flavor. Some of them are good, but golly, if you drink a bunch of them, you're going to be hurting because they're strong, you know? And then, and then there's the flavored beers, your blueberries, your citrus. Yeah, your you definitely don't want to bring those to well, the Well, what's camp. a blue moon? Well, yeah, that's true. So, And is there a number that you don't want to reach drinking the night before going hunting the next day? <laughs> I mean, is six okay? Is 12 too many? I mean, what's that number where you think, I got to get up for daylight tomorrow to do what I got to do and be productive? I think it's more like, is 12 okay? Is 24 too many? You know? <laughs> I mean, um, every time I've been, like, I always go, you know, you're typically with your friends. And, of course, the hunting is fun, but the best part about the hunting camp is to hang out with your buddies and you know get away for a little while so you typically start drinking earlier uh you eat really good food so you may put down an easy 12 pack well that brings me to a question and it was on our list are your hunting buddies people you hang out with outside of the hunting camp or do you just hang out with them at the hunting camp <laughs> Um, depends. Yeah, it depends. Most of my hunting buddies are fairly close friends, fairly close. So I hang out with quite a few of them other than the hunting camp um, and enjoy 
a lot of different, you know, NASCAR events, uh, fishing possibly, just going out to dinner, getting some drinks, hanging out, you know. So uh, that's kind of my protocol, you know, with the, most of the hunting folks that I'm around. Hmm. But in a camp, Andy, I think you're a member of a camp uh, where you've got multiple members that are in there. And I had been many years ago, and so definitely I didn't hang out with everybody. But the ones that were close enough to me were pretty regular. So, Yeah, it's usually a large number of people in the camp, um, so you don't hang out with all of them. Uh, there's a few very, very good friends I've known for a long, long time that we see each other you know, often outside of it. And there's some you just don't see. And there's no real reason for it, per se, except for, you know, your life only crosses at the hunting camp. You know, you may live in different parts of town. You may live in different counties, even, depending on where you're hunting. So there's some people. And, you know, there's been some in the past that you're fine with them at the hunting camp, but that you don't always particularly choose to do something with them elsewhere. Nothing that's wrong with them. It's just not somebody you hang out with. Do you have some at the hunting camp that you typically don't hang out with that keep reaching out to you wanting to hang out? I haven't had that experience. Um, Not that cool. No, (laughs) no, nobody's reaching out to hang out with me that much. No, I don't think so. But there are those buddies at the hunt camp. You know, you got some that are like well-rounded, good, responsible people. And then you got some buddies that are your rowdy buddies that are fun at the hunting camp, but you'll probably end up like if you go to a bar with them or something you're gonna end up in a fight or jail or not bringing them home for dinner by <laughs> yeah, the way, are you? yeah like uh you don't bring them around your kids because they got a mouth on them and you know Good. stuff like that no. all right well talking about our buddies whether they're your rowdy buddies or your responsible buddies and all that uh our next question that we have is if a hunting buddy is making mistakes should you help him and that means like like if he's out there just blatantly doing something wrong uh, not attracting anything to shoot or something do you tell him or do you let him keep keep going and save the good stuff for you wow so again Usually, if you're going to approach one, if it's just a hunting member of a club, uh, you may not always reach out to those individuals. You may want to try to be helpful if that's the type of person you are. Um, and some people don't take advice really well. They will kind of reject True. what you're coming to them with. Mm-hmm. So I guess it really would depend on where you're at with that. Now. If you definitely have, whether they're your hunt, somebody's a close hunting buddy that you hunt with on a regular basis, or even if it's just someone at your hunting camp, and let's just say this is something that's a safety issue, by all means, you know, yes, you want to help them get it corrected. Because if they're storing a gun in their vehicle that they haven't unchambered around, or if you're a member of a hunting camp and they're bringing a guest or their kids and they're bringing them up to hunt and you all jump in the back of a truck and the young boy sitting there has got a gun barrel down pointed at you or another person in the truck mm-hmm. whether it's loaded or not someone needs to point out hey that barrel yeah. needs to go up and and again Always. don't worry about hurting people's feelings because safety comes a long way first on that training mm-hmm. 
Well, now, I'm going to make it a little more difficult for you. Oh, okay. Oh, here we go. You've got, uh, say you're deer hunting or you're duck hunting, and did you know that there's either a good buck that you're trying to hunt or there's a flock of good birds that you know come in, and you know where they are, and your buddy keeps going to the wrong place, and if you help him out, he might get your deer or be able to take your birds coming in one morning. How do you do that? Mm. Well, if... Again, I think it depends if, on who they are. Well, it depends on who they are, but it also depends on are you really wanting to help this person become a better hunter in a part of your group? I mean, But it, you'll do that for your friends. You won't do that for the guy that comes screaming by you after you've been out there for an hour on the four-wheeler. You know what I mean? So I think it all depends on who it is. Well, obviously, if, if you're in your stand and you've had success and his stand is just beyond yours... Well, obviously, he wants to come and hunt in your vicinity. Mm -hmm. um, there have been those that I remembered from another hunting camp that would be those dark hunters. They would go into their stands hour and a half before daylight and get settled in a tree stand to hunt deer. And knowing full good and well the stand that they set up for themselves to hunt out of, there's two more property stands beyond them and the only way to get there is past them. Well, they're going to get angry because you've messed their hunt up. Um, mm -hmm. So, do you help them as well, you know, kind of straighten them out in that protocol? But trying to help a hunter improve his skills... I, I think most people would help. Yeah, I think it's a good thing because if you're there to hunt for the fun, the enjoyment, you know, but if you're there to hunt for your own what I refer to as selfish benefit so that you come out with the best deer or the most ducks and the best bragging rights and you hoard your little areas uh, to yourself that kind of takes the fun out of it and so um, helping another hunter out is a good idea now if he starts continually uh, working into your scouted areas to follow you around you know, you can still help him out and explain to him how that's not a good idea as well. So. That, telling them what not to do is also helping them out. That's like, correct. Telling them if they're overstepping their boundaries or, yeah. you know, don't don't go to my hunting spot is helping them out. Yeah. yeah. Yes, especially. Um, I don't think anybody that hunts regularly minds helping a young hunter or a new hunter. I think that goes a lot to it. I mean, you kind of want to further the sport, bring people along, help them do it. Now, if he's that guy, he's not going to listen to your advice anyway, then why give it? I mean, it's just to a point where... But, yeah, but at some point, you have to learn, too, that there is some etiquette involved in the hunting world. Mm -hmm. And if someone's new and you gently tell them, hey, you know, it's not the best idea... You know, if it's 8 o'clock in the morning, you decide you're ready to get out of the stand and you're just going to walk by your buddy, you probably shouldn't go that way. You know, just something that simple. One, for your safety. Yeah. Two, for just general etiquette. I mean, it's not golf. We don't have defined rules that say you have to do this, this, and this. But you, once you do it a while, you can kind of tell what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. So another item on helping them is with, with deer hunters. There are those that have come out there pre-hunting season. We set up, we have a cookout, we bring our rifles, we get our targets, and we're sighting in rounds. Make sure the guns are on. You know, that's something that we generally like to do pre-season before hunting. But then you've got that hunter that you've known for years off and on, and, and he's always missing. 
he gets the deer they're on mm -hmm. the field he's he's scoping them in but yep. he's always missing and you ask him have you checked your scope again have you checked to see if it's been buffed well I, it's spot on i know it's good i know i've, I've you know practiced well then at that point you again want to reach out to him and say well maybe you need to practice some additional shooting skills like breathing patterns and maybe work with him and explain to him how that works uh, there are those that i believe even with snipers that are taught to time their shots mm -hmm. in their breathing and even some all the way down to their heartbeat as far as when they pull the trigger to make sure that the shot is there to not be excited when there's a buck or a deer on the field that you're ready to See, take. that's the hard part. That's right? the hard part. You're excited that's why I can't hit anything quick. I shoot. I get to, like ducks especially, I get all wound up and, and jittery and excited. I can't hit nothing. Like, perfect example of helping out another hunter, what we're talking about. When I went to Arkansas hunting with some of my buddies, we're up there and and we're at my buddy's farm and, and we're sitting in a in a metal blind that's like sunk in a rice field and they're they're out there just I mean knocking ducks down left and right just and I'm out there slinging steel all over the place not hitting anything but I mean I'm shooting non-stop it seems like well they got they wanted to help me which was also entertainment for them because they thought it was really funny that i couldn't hit anything because when these ducks would come in i'd get so excited and so like so wound up i was just i'd jump up like bah, 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 like just <laughs> slinging slinging steel everywhere well they decided on on one thing after after it was hilarious and they're making fun of me for a while uh that they were going Chris, the other guy, he was going to call in some more ducks, and nobody was going to shoot, and they're going to let me shoot. Like, only Blake shoots on this one. You know, he's got to get at least one while we're up here in Arkansas. And I missed, I mean, he called in some ducks, dang near sat on the end of the barrel of my gun, and I still missed them. And they had a good laugh about it, And but, but that's, you know, when you're with your buddies, you want to help them out. They... They were making fun of me, and it was hilarious. Like then, when I miss, you know, it's hilarious. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. It's they wanted to see me succeed. Also, they wanted to see me miss, so we could all have a good laugh. So there is one thing that um, one of the last hunts I was on because I was missing quite regular, and I I usually try to take two or three guns with me. And mm -hmm. by taking those guns, I've got options, and I've got some some nice screw-in Carlson choke tubes that I've got. You know, just switch them out. <clears throat> well, I'm hearing now that when you change out your choke tubes or you buy new choke tubes, that you should take that shotgun and pattern it because some of your pattern may be actually steering it left or right of what you think is center shot. You know, and so. Hmm. Uh, I did not realize that, but they at one point said, take your gun and shoot the water out in front. Don't shoot any decoys. Just find that spot over there where there's no decoys and, and aim. And there's something over there. Aim your gun at it and shoot at it and let's see where your pattern is. And I aim and I shoot. Based off my aim, I'm shooting about a foot and a half left of pattern-wise. And I was like, that's crazy. And they're like, 
pattern your gun. You can get the, you can adjust those choke tubes mm. and pattern it. But if you think you're you know you're shooting at birds and missing them, you maybe have not even checked to see just how well that gun is patterned up. All right, Rodney. So your buddy is telling you about how to pattern your shotgun. Would you take that same buddy that showed you how to pattern your shotgun? This is a question that we've got, and it says. Would you show someone a good spot that you could both hunt? And is it okay for them to hunt it without asking for your permission? So huh. so the same buddy that taught that showed you about pattern your shotgun. Someone that helped me. Yeah. Would you help them and show them a good spot you got? I don't know that I can always reciprocate that much information and help along the way. We all go through scouting. And sometimes we will scout with our buddies to locate stuff that we can hunt together as buddies. Now, if it's a hot spot and it's that honey hole, that secret location, and if it's even if it's a deer stand or something where you know there's good traffic that season coming through there, and you maybe get some pictures or share that information with your buddy, but they know that that's kind of like that's your spot, that's your hot spot, you know. If your buddy decides to go up there and hunt that stand, I think that it would be a courtesy for them to say, hey, you mind if I hunt your stand since you're not gonna be here next weekend? And if the big boy shows up, you know, you know, for me, I'm like dropping because I may never get a chance. And if you get that big deer and he gets up on the wall, at least one of us got it because he's my buddy. Mm -hmm. You know, that's good. Um, same thing on the duck hunting holes. He might have a friend that he wants to take there. Now, that could be a little bit transitioning of a problem yeah. because then the friend who may also have cool. rights to this area, and it could be public land, yeah. says, oh man, I found this great spot, now he's going to get a buddy. And then the next thing you know... Then they're going to get a buddy. It becomes... It becomes a time challenge if it's like if it's a morning stand and you want to get in there at say 4:30, get set up by five, ready to shoot. You know, well all of a sudden you're you're getting there, and then you see flashlights already on your hole. People got there at 3:30 or four because they know you're not going to get there till another 30 minutes. They beat you to the location. Yeah, now, that's not cool. That's that's definitely not cool. So there is a risk <laughs> in sharing your honey holes with your buddies. But mm -hmm. if you both have a great understanding on how that should work, you know, then I think it could be a good thing because your buddy may find a nice little honey hole he'll share with you as well. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like offshore fishing. You know, those captains, they've got books with spots. And the spots are categorized, you know, per what fish you want to catch and all that stuff, but they'll take you to the spot to fish if you pay them or if they're your buddy or whatever. Like one of my best friends lives down there and down in Orange Beach and he's always had a boat and they used to own a marina or whatever, but um, he had a humongous notebook full of spots for whatever kind of fish you wanted and we would go out fishing all the time and he was more than happy to take all of us fishing and to go catch whatever we wanted to, whenever we wanted to. But 
there's no way he is handing over that notebook with the spots in it. Like, like he'll take you and let you enjoy the fun of the spot, but he ain't going to give those spots away. And like, is this your like, buddy or is this just a This fish is captain? one of my best friends. There you go, so. And he ain't letting you, He will, I don't even think he let anybody look in the notebook. But you have a phone with GPS capabilities. Yeah, but I don't. I wouldn't know how to work that. They would get upset about that. Yeah, you, know, you, you would ruin your your opportunity to have all that fun if they see if they catch you marking their spots. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, like if it's your if it's your buddy, you can share your spot with, take them there. You know, if you got a good little duck pond, nobody knows about. I say it's cool for your buddies, not cool for their buddies. You know what I mean? It's not cool for them to kind of start drawing, bringing in there. Yeah. If they want to hunt it when you're not there, I do think that they should ask and say, hey, is it cool if I do that? Like, do you care? And more than likely, nine times out of ten, you'll be like, no, man, I don't care. Go have fun. But I don't think they should bring, you know, bring five other guys with them that are going to go decimate the population. Okay, I'll make this a little more complicated. All you right. go somewhere that's publicly accessible and you hire a guide to go say duck hunt mm -hmm. and he takes you to a good spot. You have a good day. You shoot ducks. The very next season you have a boat. You load up you and a couple of your buddies. You ride to the exact same spot. Mm. Move down a couple of hundred yards from him. Completely legal. You're not yep. breaking any rules. And you hunt that same spot you had success for, have success again. Is that bad pool? Did you do something you shouldn't have done? That's public That's land, mind you. It's it's uh, it's completely I mean, that happens anyone. every day, literally. I'm sure it happens nonstop. I don't think don't that that's a bad call because you've paid a guide to take you to a spot that is a public location. Now, if you have a paid guide that has private land permits and permissions which if if I was to be a paid guide that may be the way I would want to go because the only people I have access to that land are those that are permitted to be there but if it's public land and those paid guides you take you to those public locations is and even on fishing yeah. uh, if you have captain that you've paid to take you out and fish a certain area but you have a boat and you can come up with your processes of knowing where these spots are and then you go back and do it on your own again that is a risk that the paid guides mm -hmm. would have to but we're not we're talking buddies versus paid guides there is a big difference there's yeah. a big difference uh, I'm not saying that it's right but it definitely I'm not saying it's wrong either um, I mean like <clears throat> public water, so to speak, like Lake Gunnersville up there. If you're going duck hunting in Lake Gunnersville, you dang near have to get there and spend the night in your boat to get your spot up there. Because if you if you're not there by three in the morning, you're not gonna have a spot to shoot ducks. Like literally, I mean, it's covered up with people by three a.m. So. Lake Gunnersville is a, is a perfect example of, you know, whoever gets there first gets the spot. And this, whether a guide showed somebody a spot or 
that's you know Kevin down the street's honey hole if you don't get there first you ain't getting it so I don't know it's just depends I can tell you what a guide would tell you. They would say it was the wrong thing to do. Yeah. Because it's cutting into their livelihood. Yes. I, I disagree to a certain extent. If you get into an area for fishing that is an extremely busy area marina-wise, and you've contacted this guide ahead of time and said, hey, we're bringing our boat down. We don't know. We know a little bit about the area, but what we want to do is go out one day with you and fish a couple of spots, key spots, and kind of get to know the area and maybe even some of the processes from that marina. But the next day or the next two days, we're going to take our boat out. Do you have a problem with that? And you may go through hmm. nine guides that says, oh, hell yeah, i got a problem. You're not going to do that, and I'm not taking you out. But you'll find one that maybe goes, he's like, he's very busy. He's like, yeah, that's fine because I'm booked for the next two or three days. And he knows you're coming from out of state. You're only going to be there for that period of time, and then you're gone till maybe next year. Yeah. So I don't think you're actually peeling off their livelihood if they are continually booked up with business. Yeah. And you may find that guy. So, but again, there will be those that will tell you, no, not going to happen. Nice. And I agree with that because spots often change through seasons. Yeah. I mean, somewhere that was great today may not be good this time next year. Mm. I mean, so you can't really say uh, that's my spot, especially when it's on public property. Public property. Um, <laughs> if you run across the guy, he's probably going to give you a hard look, if if yeah. no, if at least. And then, well, you know, you've been fishing with me, and I took you. We're friends, so I took you to the absolute best spots I thought would be at that time. And we didn't catch nothing. And we didn't catch we nothing. Well, it was a really good time. <laughs> but, you know, it, was, it was the best spots of the time. But That's if true. I just had a random person that I thought would come, I would not necessarily take them to my number yeah. one grade. Yeah, so thing, you ain't going to take people to your best spot, whether paid or unpaid. You know what I mean? Well, and again, there's a question I thought about even on the fishing end. And again, this is, we probably are steering somewhere off a topic here with this conversation. Yeah. But if you are paying a captain to take you fishing mm -hmm. and you get on board and you say, oh, by the way, Cap, I got some more uh, Benjamin Franklins I want to put in your pocket if you can actually take us to a spot where we can load up, get it done early, and get on back. Oh, yeah. Oh, Captain, so like, okay. Put your phones in this bag right here because we're not going to be marking any GPS. Yeah. You won't have that opportunity. Yeah. And I'm going to take you out. We're going to go over here. We're going to fish spot. And uh, we'll load up pretty quick. We'll head back in. And he's going to put a little more extra money in his pocket. And, and again, mm -hmm. it's just like adding a little more incentive to the captain. Yeah. That, that's a possibility. All right. Speaking of money in your pocket. If you have subscribed to the podcast, uh, shoot us an email to let us know that you've you've subscribed so we can get you in that drawing for the gift card that we talked about at the end of last uh, podcast. And uh, if you if you like what you heard, subscribe, um, follow it. Uh, if you got any questions, send us some questions at alabamawildpodcast at gmail uh, Obviously, we love your questions. That's what this one was about and uh it's always fun interacting with the people and for our next episode we're gonna have a bunch of wild crazy women in rubber ducky rv studios 
because we're going to be talking to these women about their outdoor experiences. Uh, so that one's going to be pretty good. So y'all tune in for that. Hey y'all, thanks for listening to the Alabama Wild Podcast. If you like what you heard, subscribe. And for the first 30 subscribers, we're going to do a drawing for a $20 gift card towards your cheap hunt, sponsored by Rubber Ducky RV Studios. And if you have any questions for myself, Andy, Rodney, or Lamar, email us at alabamawildpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you.